Well, good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Ephesians chapter 3 this morning as uh, we spend the rest of our time in God's Word. As, the, as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, we've looked at what it means to be in Christ over the last several weeks. I think this is week six now that we've been in here. We've looked at redemption in Christ, growing in Christ, alive in Christ, we're saved in Christ. And last week we saw that we are one in Christ, that the church is now one, both Jew and Gentile have been brought together to be one man, the church. And so uh, we see that as we get into chapter 3, it is for this reason is how Paul begins this section. And there's a reason that we're here, and he's talking about everything that he's written up to this point, that there is salvation found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made you alive in him. And so there's also this this uh, corporate dimension of our salvation that he has brought us together. He's, re he's uniting all things to himself. And so our salvation is then lived out in the relationships that we have, the way we treat one another. And so he's saying, because of all this, for this reason, and he's about to get into a prayer, but then he kind of goes on a little bit of a rant because there's a purpose in Christ. And so this morning I want you to see our purpose in Christ. The purpose of something. It means the reason for which it was created or exist. In 2007, I was sitting at the house. We had a lot of family over that day. And as I, as I sat there on the couch, I began to have this horrible abdominal pain. And so I would occasionally get up and just go chug Pepto-Bismol or go take Tums and just could not seem to shake this pain. And as the day went on, I actually was in such pain that I began to start to hunch over. And as I finally just couldn't take it anymore. I got up and said, I'm going to the hospital. And I just got in my car, and I drove to the emergency room. And by the time I got there, I could barely see over the steering wheel. I was in such pain. And I all but crawled into the ER. And so I crawled in, and they take you in that little side room and ask you the worst question you can ever be asked. On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your pain level? And I was like, I'm at the emergency room. Of course it's bad, right? I didn't just think this was a good idea. And so I, I go and they, they find out that I have appendicitis, that my appendix is about to rupture and then I'm going to have to be rushed back for surgery. And so I decided that would be a good time to call my wife and tell her I wasn't going to make it home that night. And um, so it got me asking the question, what, what is the appendix for? Well, it really serves little purpose in your life. It, it just holds bacteria, and then one day if it holds enough bacteria that it gets angry, it just wants to explode. And so that's its only purpose. It just holds bacteria as far as I can understand. And, and so as we talk about being the body of Christ, you know, we don't want to be the appendix. We don't want to just hold bacteria and then one day just explode because we're all upset. No, we look at the, the purpose for which we're created. We're created with a purpose. This is a question that a lot of people ask, why? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What I'm trying to find my purpose, and we look for our purpose in all types of things. We look for it in family. We look for it in relationships. We look for purpose in, in our schooling, in our education. We look for it in our occupations, where there's really one purpose. And the Westminster Shorter Catechism begins with this. What is the chief end of man? What is the purpose? What is the, what's the chief end, the ultimate view. Well, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. There is purpose. You have been saved and redeemed for a purpose, and it is to glorify God. 
you've been brought back into a right relationship with him, both vertically and now it is played out in dimensions horizontally to where we glorify God in the relationships we have and we glorify him in everything that we say and do. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that God created man and he redeemed man for his glory and his glory alone. So today, you have purpose. There is a reason God has you exactly where you are. So in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read 1 through 13. We'll go ahead and say we're not going to make it through all the verses today. So we'll pick up where we leave off today next week. But let's read together Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, as we delve into your word today, we thank you. We rejoice in the fact that there is salvation that's found in Jesus Christ alone. The mystery that had been hidden for ages is now revealed and that we, who are the church, have now received a spirit that opens our minds and our ears and our lives and our wills to be in accordance with your eternal purpose. So, Father, I pray for this church and I pray for myself this morning. We thank you for the mothers that are here. We thank you for the families. We thank you for the the sound of babies, we thank you for all of these beautiful gifts you've given us. Let us use them to glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. The key verse, verse 11, this is kind of where we're getting this purpose from. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right there, it shows that there is an eternal purpose. That not only does our life have purpose, but God has an eternal purpose and it is realized in Christ Jesus, and it's displayed through his church. This is a remarkable thought that before the world was made, God knew Satan would fall. Before the world was made, he knew that man would follow Satan and sin. And yet he had already prepared this master plan, an eternal purpose that was hidden for ages that would now be revealed in Jesus Christ. None of it took him by surprise. The eternal purpose of God is centered in Christ and has been realized through him. And now God, through his mysterious plan, is saving both 
ungodly Jews who can't keep the law and ungodly Gentiles who have been alienated from the law by making them members of the same body, the one man, the church. And it is all for his glory. He had an eternal purpose for his own glory. So, today, as we talk about the purpose we have in Christ, I want you to understand you will never find purpose in this life outside of Jesus Christ. You, you will never find purpose. You will always be hunting and searching and wondering what, what it is and feeling unfulfilled in life because our ultimate purpose is found and realized in Jesus Christ. It's part of his eternal purpose. You will never find purpose until you see that you are playing a part in his eternal plan. And as we celebrate mothers today, mothers, you will never find your purpose as a mother apart from Jesus Christ. Your, your children need to see that you're a part of something much greater than just the family unit. You're part of the body of Christ. You're unified and you're being used for his glory. What a wonderful gift you can give your children in that. We can search for purpose in our accomplishments. We can search for purpose in our abilities, our occupations, our relationships, our emotional fulfillments, but they will all come up short. Our purpose is found in the eternal purpose of God realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this morning, with the time that we have left, I want to look at the mystery in Christ. You may have noticed as we read through that, the word mystery popped up a few times. And so he begins with, for this reason, and then he kind of goes on this tangent, and then he picks back up in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. It's as if Paul was saying, because of all of these things I've said about our salvation, I'm going to pray for you, but let me first address the fact that I'm in prison and that I know that it's causing you great agony and stress. He says, but I want you to understand the mystery of God's sovereign plan. The mystery of God's sovereign plan. It was part of God's sovereign plan, his eternal purpose for Paul to be in prison. I mean, think about that for just a moment, that he was... He was the one that was chosen by God to go and preach salvation to the Gentiles, and now he's in prison. And when he refers to it, he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. He doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of Caesar. I'm a prisoner of Nero. He doesn't say that. He says, no, I'm, I'm a prisoner because part of God's eternal plan, his eternal purpose has me exactly where he wants me right now. Ray Steadman writes it this way. He says, Paul in Rome, a prisoner of Caesar, awaiting trial before Nero, but never once does he say that he is a prisoner of Caesar. It is always a prisoner of Christ Jesus. The reason is obvious when you read his letters. He saw that Caesar was not the one who had the final say about him. Jesus did. The duration of his, of his confinement was not determined by Caesar, but by the Lord Jesus. As Paul came to understand the one whom he served, he knew that Jesus was in control of history. He saw, his, he saw him as John did in the book of Revelation, sitting on his throne, holding the reins of government in his hands. The mystery of God's sovereignty. Today, I don't know what situation you find yourself in or what circumstance you're in, but I can tell you this, you can rest in the fact that God is sovereignly in control. He is in complete control. Every situation, it might be a mystery to us. We may not understand why. We may not understand pain or suffering or imprisonment 
or heartache or loss or even death. But we can know that in everything, it happens according to his sovereign purpose and plan. His eternal purpose realized in Christ Jesus for his glory. This should be a comfort to us today. As the Heidelberg Catechism, written in 1563, says, What is your only comfort in life and death? What's your only comfort? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the evil one. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. My only hope in life and death is that I am wholly his. The mystery revealed of God's sovereign plan is revealed in the Son, Jesus Christ. And we can know, no matter what the situation or what the circumstance, he is in complete control. Paul says, you know what? If I'm in prison, it's because that's where Christ wants me. Today, we can look at our situation and say, you know what? Christ has me exactly where he wants me. He is in complete control. He even governs leaders Paul knew that if he was in prison, it wasn't because of Caesar or Nero. He was in prison because Christ had allowed him to be there. Isaiah 45, 1 through 7, talks about God's sovereignty as he moves nations for his purpose. Isaiah 45, 1 through 7 says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may be may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hands in secret places and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. As he's calling a Persian king to come in and conquer Babylon for the sake of his chosen people, he is moving all things according to his eternal purpose and plan. He is sovereign. The Apostle Paul knows that ultimately everything that is taking place is working out according to his plan, though it was hidden for the ages. To quote John Piper, Sometimes we need to be reminded by God himself that there are no limits to his rule. We need to hear from him that he is sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. We need his own reminder that he is never helpless, never frustrated, never at a loss, 
We need his assurance that he reigns over ISIS, terrorism, Syria, Russia, China, India, Nigeria, France, Miramar, Saudi Arabia, and even the United States of America. Every nation, every people, every language, and every tribe, every chief, every president, every king, premier, prime minister, and politician, great and small, he is in control of every single thing. Rest in the mystery of God's sovereign plan today. The mystery of God's grace revealed. It says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. God's grace had been given to Paul for a purpose. What was the purpose? That he could share that grace with others. The grace that he has received as a gift that he will now give to others. So grace received is grace to be given. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You have purpose today because God has given you a grace that is to be shared and, and used in service for his glory. There is purpose today. In 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, it says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Today, you have purpose because you are a steward of God's grace. If you are in Jesus Christ and him alone, he has given you a piece of his varied grace for his glory, and it is your responsibility in the eternal plan of God to play out that as an instrument and a steward of that grace in the lives of others. What a remarkable gift we have been given that we are called to faithfully steward the mystery of God's grace by sharing and declaring the mystery of God's grace with others. So what is the mystery of God's grace? Well, we can see from Scripture that you and I are called to steward and watch over and invest in others the mystery of God's will, which is to unite all things in Christ. This is the mystery, Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. This is what we read several weeks ago. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This was God's eternal purpose and plan to unite all things to himself through Jesus Christ. We're now stewards of that grace. You and I are called to steward, watch over, and invest in others the mystery of Christ, namely that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body. Verse 6 of chapter 3. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. So you and I are called to steward, to watch over, and to invest the mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 6, 19 will tell us this. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. As recipients of God's grace, we are now to boldly proclaim that grace and salvation found in Jesus Christ. You and I are both called, and we're called to steward, to watch over, and to invest in others God's mystery, which is Christ himself. Colossians 2, 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Colossians 4, 3, at the same time, pray for us, 
that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. You and I, were called to steward, to watch over and to invest in others the mystery of Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You and I are called to steward, to watch over and to invest in others the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. We have a purpose. The purpose is to steward the grace of God to the lives of others. 1 Timothy 3, 9 through 10. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. This is speaking to deacons. And let them also be tested first. And let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. It's sure is written to leaders in the church and deacons at this point in 1 Timothy, but it, it's also the call of all followers of Christ to steward the grace of God in a way that they do it with a clear conscience. If you struggle to do the right thing, violating your conscience, you should not be considered for church leadership because you're carelessly stewarding the grace that is being given to you. We are all stewards of God's mysterious grace. Every Christian has been given grace to extend grace. It's a mystery. The mystery of God's church united. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which is not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery of the uniting of the church, the Jews and the Gentiles. He uses these phrases, fellow heirs, same body, partakers. What's unique about these is that they all have the same prefix. There's two different prefixes in the Greek. One is son and the other is meta, but they mean different things. Wayne Barber gives a great illustration on this. He talks about making biscuits. Now, I'm not somebody who knows how to make biscuits from scratch. I don't, I don't even know where to buy scratch, right? So I don't, I don't know how to do it. But there's some of us who just get the frozen hockey puck, and uh, we put it in the oven, and it turns into a biscuit, and it's, it's remarkable. But there's some who take all the ingredients, and they, they mix it together, and they knead the dough, and they're, they're really good biscuits. So Wayne Barber says this is the difference in being united. He says you take all the ingredients, you put them out on the cookie sheet, you measure out the flour, the shortening, the baking powder, etc. Put each ingredient on the sheet. All of those ingredients can still be separated at this point. But they're all with each other at this point. They're all on the same cookie sheet. He says this is the prefix meta, that you're all different, and you're all together. You're all separated, but you're still united. And this is typically what we have in mind when we think about the church. We all are different. We all come in together. We're, we're all still separated in some sort, but we're still on the same cookie sheet. We're still in the same church. But this is not the prefix that is used in the Greek. No, he says, now take the ingredients. Mix them together. Cut the dough. Put them in a pan and bake it. 
after it is baked and it comes out of biscuit, all those ingredients are in there, but they're baked together and they're serving as a bigger picture and a bigger meaning. And there's a unification there that can never be separated. That's the church. This is what has been realized in Christ Jesus, that though we are different, we are now so mixed together that there is no separating us. We have purpose in Christ, and the purpose that we find in Christ is the unity in the church as the manifold wisdom of God. Galatians 3, 13 through 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This is the unity of the church. The eternal purpose of God. Drawing all things to himself for his glory. So today, church, you have purpose. And your purpose is to glorify God.